You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, welcome back, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Sprott Money News Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us, as usual, is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, uh, welcome back. I hope you've had a good week. Uh, well, we've yes, I would have to say we've had a good week. It's not over yet, and very strange things happen in the markets, as you well know. Probably the market valuations always seem to be determined. And I'm not talking about the price of metal. I'm talking about the stock market in the last hour of the market. So yeah. who knows uh, what we should be expecting here because uh, there are always forces at work that seem to bear no relationship to what's truly going on in the economic world. So we have to stand stand back and watch it. That's for sure. You know, We've been noting this week how all of a sudden these uh, high-frequency trading algos are closely correlated with the price of crude oil as if – you know, valuations and P.E. ratios and forward guidance, that doesn't matter. It's just the day-to-day fluctuations of crude oil that seem to make a difference. Um, the stock market, though, is definitely on everybody's mind. We see it headed uh, headed down, having a very tough start to the year. Do you have any thoughts on how this might play out in the in the weeks ahead? Sure. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people who are more technically oriented than I am, are coming into the camp that we started a bear market back in uh, May or July of last year. And I think the important thing to realize is that the average stock, even in uh, 2015, was down quite considerably. And if it wasn't for you know the concentrated ownership of some of the real winning stocks, the market would have shown a sell-off much larger than it has. And of course, now in the meantime, those stocks so far this year have gotten battered. The so you know Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, whatever things of that nature, and uh, so not they're all in corrections now, but they're not in a bear market. But I would almost I would guess that ninety seven percent of the stocks on a worldwide basis are in a bear market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's when you think that the number is that large, and you think of the carnage that's gone on in these um, uh, emerging markets and or developed markets like Canada, Australia, whether it's Brazil, Argentina, I mean, all these countries that have facing huge problems and where the stocks have uh, had very significant declines. It's kind of almost portending that the things that you, I, others in our camp had imagined would play out are now playing out. And you see it in the price of oil, the Baltic Dry Index, the rail car loadings, the retail sales, uh, the, way, the lack of wage increases. I mean, these are all signs of an economy that's, that's not uh, functioning well. And you and I have discussed before this whole Obamacare thing and, and health care premiums. And I don't know where it is that people get the wherewithal to deal with health care costs down there if you're in yep. sort of the median income category. Uh, now we have... You know, companies announcing lots of layoffs. We get guys with uh, that are putting in uh, no wage, and governments putting in no wage increases uh, because the st- the status of the government is so weak, almost across the board. So, I've never been a believer in the economic recovery. I be- I have been a believer in the sense that the Fed is just propping up asset markets because they don't want us to know what's really happening. Uh, but the reality is that. You know, things are not going well. We see car sales were weak in December. We see channel stuffing by the auditors. Man, I, I just read that there's been a lawsuit filed at two 
uh, Chrysler dealers in the States are suing the parent company because the parent company wanted them to falsely invoice some sales at year-end. Goodness gracious. get the numbers up. And I haven't read it. I've just heard it so far. But that's the sort of things that, unfortunately, we get used to, right, that everyone's trying to mislead us about uh, about how good things are when logic says it can't possibly be good. So uh, I would think that everyone should think of, of um, accepting a much more bearish posture towards this towards this stock market. Boy, if you've had some gains, you've been lucky enough to build your retirement savings back up. Any of that traditional stuff, you know, 401k that we have down here in the States, if, if you've been able to build it back up over the last five or six years, now's not the time to just be sitting here with your fingers crossed, hoping right. it continues. Right. You ticked off a couple of the key indicators, crude oil and Brent oil, just dropping. He both of them through $30 this week. Baltic Dry Index at all-time lows going back 25 or 30 years. And one of the things we've talked about before I'd like to touch on again is this high-yield debt market. There is a, uh, a closed-end fund that's kind of used as a proxy for that, the HYG. It is making new lows for the year as we speak. It's back to lows that it was back in 2009. A lot of folks right. look at high-yield as kind of a Again, a bigger proxy for the overall market, that that might lead the market and the economy down too. What what do you say to folks out there that might be in high-yield funds, uh, searching for income, and, and what that might mean for where we're headed in 2016? Well, I think the important thing, Craig, is that the high-yield market, having gone from, I don't even know what the low is, but let's say a 7% yield to what is now something like an 18.5% yield, is something that people should read something into. Mm-hmm. And of course, what they should read into it is the owners of those securities believe that the credit quality has declined markedly. And couple that with all of a sudden a liquidity issue where so many people are buying fixed income funds where they're short-term investors, but the guy running the fund is a long-term investor. And when, when the short-term guy cashes out, the long-term guy has a tough time selling the asset that he owns because it has a maturity beyond, you know, 30 days. It could be a five-year piece of paper. It could be a private company. So it's, it's warning us. And the biggest warnings come from the bond market, in particular the corporate bond market. We've even had uh, corporate bonds. Uh, yields have gone up here. So, it, yeah, it's fine for the uh, central bankers to deal with the government bonds and make sure they're always priced at nominal yields here. But uh, the thing to read into the high-yield market is, the typical investor uh, realizes what's really going on in the economy and wants to get out. And then we're seeing some of that in the stock market too, where, you know, whether it's China, you know, all of a sudden it'll be up, be down 5% and then up two and down seven and up three and like a total chaos out there. Uh, I think most of us would realize that China, the everybody, everybody's over levered themselves. Okay. Right. They're just taking on too much debt, too many buybacks. Um, not enough cash, and so it's it's a market that one has to be very careful of. Uh, you know, for the last few years, I've really never touched a stock. I've owned lots of precious metal stocks because I think they might work in in reverse to what the the stock market does. Because I think people will come around to realizing what should be happening to gold, even though it truly isn't happening, but it should. 
And when people put on their thinking hats and think, you know, what would a Canadian do who's seen his currency plunge by 20% yep. or an Australian or the Chinese? The Chinese who are sitting there staring at a potential 15% devaluation or the Brazilians. I mean, there's so many, the, the Russians. I mean, anybody who's seen their currency go down, they would, be, would have been better off owning gold. And I think we talked last week about how gold's up in most currencies. Right. Uh, around the world, both last year and now this year. So th we're bringing more and more people into the fold. There's more and more commentators who we might describe as mainstream who are suggesting that, uh, in fact, I think even somebody from J.P. Morgan suggested it yesterday. They're a quant guy who said, looks like we're going to go into a bear market, and the two things to own are cash and gold. Now, that has rarely ever been spoken by anybody in a uh, standard too-big-to-fail bank, but... I guess that person's an independent thinker is allowed to say what he what he truly believes. So, we talked about that uh, last week, Eric. There was a report out of UBS basically saying the same thing. Right. And and there's more and more all the time, right? Guys right. that you'd never think would utter the word gold are calling it, kind of going there. I've seen a number of them on uh, on Bloomberg and CNBC lately who kind of sense that there's a, a trend change happening here. Uh, unfortunately, we won't totally win the day till we... Uh, get rid of the nefarious activity in the COMEX. Uh, but, you know, if the Chinese start buying gold, if people, and, and, and even the, um, you know, there's been some significant additions to the GLD here in the last uh, uh, eight trading days starting this year off, where there's been some good tonnage going to the GLD. That's distinct from what typically was uh, people uh, depleting it. Mm -hmm. And that in itself could be, a, you know, if it maintained itself at, like, let's say, a ton or two a day, that's a significant impact in the gold market Absolutely. On, on an annual basis. So uh, people seem to be acting with their wallets. Uh, maybe the, uh, the price on the COMEX isn't reacting, but it looks like the, the true investor demand is there. And I'm sure you'd be watching the uh, silver sales and gold sales by the U.S. Mint. I think the gold sales are within about 10% now of what they did for the whole month last year. I think they did 80,000 ounces or 72,000 ounces now in gold. And I think we're at three and a half million ounces of silver after three days of sales. Three. And I think we did something like 5.5 million for the month. So it looks like we're going to have some, um, some pretty good activity in, in people, uh, manifesting their concerns by buying gold and silver. Yes. Yeah, sales certainly seem to be continuing to be strong. Are you seeing that at your company as well? Good retail demand? Well, we have. In fact, I always find it interesting. I'm more interested in silver than gold in the sense that even the mint statistics, you know, they sell 50 times more silver than gold. And we only produce, uh, what is the number, like 10 times more silver than gold, but people buy it at right. 50 to 1. And they do the same thing through Sprott Money. And I, How long can people buy something at 50 to 1 when a production ratio is, is 10 to 1 and and most of the silver is not available for investment anyway, whereas most of the gold is available for investment. So it's, there's always all these incongruities that have gone on for a long time here in these markets, all of which will lead ultimately have to lead to uh, silver, I think, outperforming gold, and, 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 and they're being manifested a shortage of both gold and silver. We've so certainly we'll have to see when that happens. It's certainly held in there now for a better part, more than a year, actually. We've been tracking 14 as uh, what seems to be a floor. 
And we're yeah. holding that again this week. It'll be interesting to see if we can begin an uptrend. Just twice in the last week, Eric, price has been capped rather resolutely right at the 50-day moving average in an attempt, it seems, to control momentum to get it from breaking away. But gosh, we'll see what the rest of this month holds. You know, I wouldn't be surprised, Craig, that what goes on in the silver market is it is silver market easy to move around, okay, because mm-hmm. it's such a small market in terms of dollars. And I think... Those people that want to have an impact in the gold market make things happen in the silver market. So today, I think we're down, whatever, 36 cents on silver, probably trying to get guys to sell gold, okay? Yep. Like, it's so easy to move. I mean, if you and I put an order in to sell $5 million worth of silver, we'd probably knock it down 10 cents each. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a small market. And uh, so you, get, you have this very irrational movement in, in silver where I think it was up, whatever, 41 cents yesterday, down 35 cents today. Come on. You know, I never necessarily understood the 41 cent up move, and I certainly don't understand the, let's say, the 35 cent down move. But it's just guys pressing buttons on a computer that think that in the long run they can determine the price, and I can assure you in the long run they can't determine the price. So we'll see how that plays out. It does seem like it's shaping up to be an interesting year, Eric, and I'm definitely looking forward to visiting with you on a, on a weekly basis and, and uh, getting your thoughts and, and sharing them with everyone. I want to thank you again for spending some time with us here at the Sprott Money News Weekly Wrap-Up, and I look forward to visiting with you again next week. Sure. Well, Craig, it's been my pleasure, and I, I think it's important that you, you uh, suggest, you know, we got to talk about the stock market here because your listeners better be very careful what they do in the stock market this year. That's probably the biggest message of this call, and uh, hopefully some people uh, start uh, looking to protect themselves. So appreciate the uh, conversation. I look forward to next week. Thanks, Eric. Have a great weekend. Okay, great. You too. Bye now.